We are I. Free speech, the right to talk, you know, the the air that comes out of our mouth, this, this hole in our face that makes some sounds that other people can distinguish as words, you know, why is it so controversial? You know, why is there so many opinions? Why does everybody weigh in? Why does everybody feel like they have the right to weigh in? Bottom line is they do. But the thing is, people just don't want to be able to accept that other people have a voice too and an opinion too and the right to be able to have that air come out of this hole in their mouth just like the next person does. You know, I've been listening to a lot of stuff online and, you know, the podcasts and interviews and, you know, TED Talks about people talking about free speech in general and you know, how lucky we are to be able to have free speech and the ability to be able to talk and share ideas. You know, but the one part that I don't understand, you know, like all these people who talk about these messages and love this voice and love to be able to express who they are, you know, like why are you so quick to be able to filter other people? Saying they have no right to be able to say what they say and they have no right to be able to, you know, produce these words out of their mouth that may cause hate with other people and you know what it's unfortunate it's unfortunate that people want to do this and it's unfortunate that people say these things you know but it's not wrong you know because you have to have both sides of that coin like you have to have all the people saying you know love each other hug each other be with each other respect each other You have to have those people just as much as you have to have the people who are hate everybody, burn them at the stake. These people are bad for all these reasons. You need that contrast. And people need to listen to that contrast to see where they connect with. But the one thing about free speech that we really need to connect with, and especially nowadays because so many people have a voice and there's so much opportunity to have a voice, is we need to start shifting it to that we have the right to listen. You know, because I really stand behind the movement and the consensus of saying like, hey, look, it's not about filtering free speech. It's not about taking people's platforms and people's voices away when we don't agree with what they say. You know, like our right, our responsibility is to just not listen. You know, if we don't like what they say, just don't listen. We can tell other people like, hey, just don't listen. Not take their voice away, take their platform away. Because the second that we make the choice to be able to say, take their platform away from them, from saying what they're saying, we no longer have the right to be able to say what we say. Because it's a double-edged sword. And people want it to be very unilateral, but it's extremely bilateral. You have to look at it from both sides. There's absolutely no reason why that anybody could justify saying we need to be able to take this positive message and only encapsulate it and put it out there and only focus on that 
Because then we live in this bubble of distorted reality, realizing there's multiple opinions. And who has the right to be able to filter that? You know, I was having this conversation with a few people the other day, you know, of when a certain government is in power and their ideologies are, you know, being propagated to the masses, you know, if you're left-leaning, you're going to filter right. If you're right-leaning, you're going to filter left. You know, so we as the masses, are you constantly being swayed because their message is being put out as the loudest, saying, don't believe in what they think because of this? Don't believe in what they say because of that. You know, and I've been telling a lot of people in my opinion, this is as simple as it can get, which is a very complex issue. I walked into Canadian Tire the other day with my daughter. A national brand in Canada, very recognizable, owns multiple different companies. You know, they have an extremely credible program called Jumpstart for Kids, you know, to be able to help them in the community you know, be healthy and active and strong. Their voice is out there in Canada. We all look at Canadian Tire being a, a positive place to go. You know, whether it's deals on, you know, items we want or supporting them because we get Canadian Tire money back and we can save on things or, you know, we can donate that money to be able to help kids in the Jumpstart program or, you know, all of these different avenues. But when I walked in, there was a big sandwich board that said spring firearms sale. And I was like, wow, good for you. Good for you. You stood up and you're going to stand here and you're like, we have the right to be able to sell firearms in our store. And we're not going to be ashamed of that. We're going to sell firearms in our store and we're going to have a sale on them to encourage people to buy them. Good for you for saying that. We're going to sell firearms in our store at a discount to encourage people to buy them, and we're going to advertise that. Good for you again. You know, because there's really no difference between those firearms and those knives and that lawnmower, you know, and that aerosol spray can. It's all the same, but people want it to be different. You can choose to read that sign. You can choose not to buy those firearms on a discount. You can choose to just passively walk past it like you would anything else that you don't want. That is your choice. It's your choice not to listen. It's your choice not to read. It's your choice to be able to focus on the sale for gardening supplies in springtime too. It's your choice to be able to focus on the sale on children's bikes to be able to get out there and be active. But what happens if that you're ever in a position where you find out that your children or, you know, maybe the children at your school or maybe a program that your children attend is funded by the Jumpstart program, which is a direct result of the sale of those firearms? Then where do you stand? Oh, it's okay now because I'm benefiting it from a positive but these are the things when it comes down to free speech that we just need to open up our mind. It's not about agreeing with the other side. It's about understanding that there's people who come from a different background, a different ideology, you know, and a different way of thinking in life. And that's okay. The last thing that I want to do in my life is surround myself with people who think like me because it distorts my view on reality. You know, if I want to say, you know, hey, I'm glad that 
Donald Trump's in office. I want to have a healthy debate about the reasons why that may be, you know, not being condemned for that thought process. You know, and by that, you know, that's an extremely heated topic again. And it's not that I agree with Donald Trump being in office. But I think a lot of people, because they're so unwilling to look past the face value and to even understand a lot of this stuff that he's doing has started by Barack Obama and past presidents. And I think a, a real perspective on that concept alone is this border wall. Like people are up in arms about this border wall. You know, but are people willing to realize that, you know, Barack Obama built a huge section of a border wall? He just wasn't so public about saying it, but he was doing it. And to the fact that there's been some form of border walls for decades. But people just don't know that. People just don't understand that. And because they don't want to understand, they don't want to investigate, they don't want to look past a clickbait article or a news headline or a passionate reporter saying, I can't believe that he would say this, or like a misguided tweet from the president. You know, we just, we as a society need to be able to look more in depth because, you know, where we attack free speech now and whose speech is right, we've also lost the entire perspective of how to be able to debate ideas where it just becomes an argument which is supposed to be an intellectual argument, an intellectual debate into a non-intellectual catfight. Because people just don't even care about having the educated perspective to be able to have a healthy argument with somebody else and be able to come out on the backside and say, hey, that was fun. You know, and I really try to approach my life, you know, especially, you know, within the last couple of years of saying like, hey, like I want to have a controversial voice of opinion just to see how other people think and how other people feel and how they're going to react. You know, that's my basic age. Like, how open are you for me to say, hey, I support a Canadian national brand selling firearms at a discount to be able to encourage you to buy more? Like, how do you feel about that? What are you going to say? Because what if that firearm ever protects you one day or anyone ever does? And did you know that firearms protected you and gave you the country that you have today? Many times over? If we had no firearms, one other person was a little bit stronger. They'd take over. We've used firearms from a little wee pistol you hold in your hand to cannons that can just crush acres of land to be able to protect us and give it to us and give this environment to us. But we will condemn the sale. What do you have to say? Do you get so heated and caught up in the glossy clickbait headlines that you can't understand? The only reason why you're able to even hear my voice is because a firearm protected you and your family in the past and very much will likely protect you in the future. Or what happens when that firearm turns into digital software? Are you able to bridge the gap that is not a firearm anymore, but it's software that's protecting you? Can we have a debate healthy enough that people can understand things like that? You know, or can we have the conversation about, you know, 
Donald Trump and, you know, wanting to be able to protect America and, you know, maybe not going the best way about it, but doing something that past presidents have done too, that everybody applauded, everybody said was great presidents and groundbreaking presidents. Can we have that conversation? Can we have the conversation of how many presidents ago started building barbed wire fenced walls and steel walls and cement walls on America's borders to be able to protect it, but then somebody else comes up with a more controversial voice like it's the first time that's ever happened. Can we talk about that? And are you willing to be able to change your perspective just slightly on somebody like Barack Obama because he built a border wall too? Or, did, or can you find more reasons to justify why you wouldn't change your opinion of him knowing that he's built a border wall as well? You know, and it's a lot of these these opinions where I feel like the voices, they become so controversial. There's a lot of controversial voices out there that, you know, yes, propagate hate speech. Yes, shouldn't be heard. But that doesn't mean that we stifle them. We just choose not to listen. The problem is we have so many voices out there now stating all these uneducated opinions. It glosses over the ones that we really shouldn't be listening to because we listen to too much. And when we listen to too much, we're not willing to be able to dig deep into the depths of this intellectual debate saying, is this even wrong? Like, where's the real controversy behind this? Because it's, it's too polluted. It's too toxic. There's too much. We don't have the time to be able to weigh into it when we want to trust our news outlets to be able to go out and provide us with the information that we need. You know, but how many times have you formed a strong opinion or people in your social network have formed a strong opinion, you know, behind what they wanted to believe, you know, based on something they learned, you know, on the local news. And then that local news came around and said, oh, sorry, we were wrong and just kind of swept it under the rug and went on to the next story. But did you change your opinion or is there a little bit of that in you that always stuck? Was it always there? You know, because that's the problem. Is there's just not enough turnaround into, you know, allowing people and affording people the opportunity to be able to change their opinions on misinformation? Because misinformation is, is huge out there. But all we want to do is something that pulls into our heart and our brain and saying like, hey, like I feel something by this response and I'm going to immediately react based on this response that I felt that I feel but not willing to go into it and because our opinions because they can become so transient and there's no accountability for being able to hold on to one opinion or the other that when you do get that wrong there's nobody willing to be able to come flip side and say you know like I was wrong and actually mean something you know but 150 years ago 200 years ago 100 years ago you know, you had to really stand behind your opinions. You had to really stand behind who you were because there was immediate consequences that if you didn't, and that's tough. You know, because then there was accountability. People thought about things more. You had to investigate it to a greater degree. Like, do I really feel, am I willing to put my name behind this? Is this something that I'm willing to publicly say? Is this something that I'm willing to feel inside of me and let this blood course through my body? You know, because let's not forget, you know, like the, 
the foundation of the, the longest running fights in human history all have to do with organized religion and people telling each other they're wrong. You know, and then we created political parties so people could argue about what is right and what is wrong, you know, in two different sides. So we have to stand behind, you know, like one of these perspectives and one of these ideologies and say, you are all wrong because I'm right because I feel this way. But what if you ever got any of those wrong? Like, where would you be and where would your tribe be? And that's the problem with living in a bubble of only hearing the information that you want to hear, not expanding your thought process. It's because there is so much more out there. You know, what if the top four religions, every single one of them had 25% of what was actually right, and you only believed in that? But to believe in them, we're taught to believe that you have to believe in 100% or you're wrong. Well, what other avenue in life is that right? It's not. It's like left-leaning versus right-leaning political parties. You know, not one of them is 100% right. There's a lot of, you know, people who support and a lot of politicians who are advocating for left or right-leaning, and they don't even believe it 100%. There's some that are stronger voices. There's some who have stronger ideologies, and there's some who have stronger opinions in those categories, but they don't even 100% believe them everything to be right so why do we and why do we feel the obligation you know to be able to understand a perspective and say it's a hundred percent the truth when typically the leaders of every single one of these and the hierarchy that follows don't even necessarily believe it wholeheartedly themselves either and then there's some people that do hundred percent in a leadership role or the hierarchy positions they believe it to be true because they need it to be true because that's how they get people to follow them but never have we ever lived in life for us ever to imagine if back when we learned how to be able to start a fire that if we ever thought there's only one way to start that fire would we have fire today or was it when we realized that there was not one, but not two, but not five, but not ten, but not twenty ways to start that fire? Is that the reason why we have fire today? And that's the base, you know, of this conversation. Is there's always multiple ways to be able to proverbially skin that cat. But are we willing to look at that in today's day and age? Is that even relative? Is that even a part of today? Is that even a part of today where people are willing to even understand that there is a fraction of another opinion that they maybe should take a look at? You know, and if anybody knows me knows that, you know, I don't follow an organized religion. But the one thing I will say about organized religion that I do agree with is that it creates a sense of community. People who can band together and say, you know, we all just want to be together for a similar purpose. That's amazing. That's awesome. I love that about organized religion. There's just other concepts about organized religion that I don't agree with. But that's a part that I can take away from. Say, I value that about organized religion. You know, and when you look about left-leaning and right-leaning politics, like, I want to be able to love and support my friends and support my community 
and be a little bit left-leaning socialist. But I want to be able to carry my firearm to protect them. It's my right. I want to be able to do that. If I'm not big enough and I'm not strong enough to be able to defend this community that I love, that I want to support, that I want to do everything I can to be able to see succeed, I want tools at my disposal to be able to protect them. So I want to be left-leaning and I want to be right-leaning. And I want a little bit of both categories. I don't want to be just one. But do you? Are you really willing to be open to be able to see the value of both sides of that coin? Are you willing to understand that there's so much more to the world than what we see on a clickbait article or a quick news flash headline you know, and we all know that what is today's story, tomorrow people won't even care. But that all forms our opinions on the people that we see around us and the people that we support to be able to lead us. But we as the people, we as the masses, we are the ones who aren't even willing to investigate in anything past what we see holding this little bright thing in our hand. Or what somebody might tell us that they got wrong and we're not willing to be able to look into it just a little bit further to be able to see if they are. You know, and on this podcast, I've talked about it many times and I tell people all over that, you know, BC is the healthiest population in Canada and essentially in Canada and the United States. But, you know, one of my dear friends, you know, pointed out to me that, you know, Ontario is starting to be able to take that lead. So I need to be able to update the information that I put out there. It's like, fantastic. I'm okay with that. I would love it if it still was BC. But you know what? If somebody's going to take something away from us, take that. Challenge us to be healthier. That's awesome. I love that. You know, but like, look into it. I'll look into it and say, like, where do those statistics come from? Like, if you challenge me on it, I'm going to take a look and see. But I value that. I value the challenge, in my opinion. I value the challenge of the information that I put out there because that's healthy. That's growth. That's how we grow. That's how we understand. And that's how we connect with other people. But does everybody want that? Is everybody there? You know, to say that you don't have time to be able to look further, you know, into an intellectual concept, an intellectual idea but you're willing to take such a strong stance, you're willing to live your life by something, you're willing to tell other people what that means, you know, but you're not willing to put just a few minutes into like what that actually means, to put that message out there. Say, well, I didn't investigate this message myself. I don't know how much authenticity is behind it. I don't even know how much of it that I believe in, but I'm willing to tell other people. And are those other people willing to investigate that concept? But that's how a lot of ideas are formed today. And is that right? And because we're polluted with so many ideas and so many concepts that that's what gives us this sense that we don't have time to be able to investigate what these really mean. This is tough. You know, but we're getting to a day and age in today's time that we need to start doing these things because there's so much misinformation out there. 
and people are digging trenches with armies, you know, based on misinformation. People are standing up and robbing other people of the right to be able to talk or to move. You know, and even in simple forms of microaggression, because somebody puts their arm up in there because they're passionate when they speak. But, you know, talking with your hands used to be this tool that we used to use to show passion and people used to be drawn to that. Now it's microaggression because some, somebody might not like that. Like, what does that mean? And where are we going because of that? Where is the result of that? When you talk now, you have to publicly put your hands in your pockets because you might put your arm up in the air and somebody might misinterpret that. Somebody might misinterpret how your fingers might be flexed on your body while you're standing there with your arms crossed or your hand in the air or your hands by your sides. Like These are all things, these are all the realities we live in today because people just want to be able to attack. But people just don't want to listen and to understand and to realize there's multiple different perspectives out there. And that free speech comes at a cost. Free speech comes at a cost of you having to listen. Free speech comes at a cost of there being speech out there that you don't want to hear, but you don't have to listen. Free speech isn't hearing only what you want to hear. Free speech is giving everybody a voice and you choosing what you want to listen to. Free speech means free speech for everyone, no matter what the topic, because that's the only way we can have free speech. Now, if you want filtered speech, you no longer have the right to be able to say free speech, or we have free speech in Canada, even though we don't in Canada. But we need to change it to filtered speech because that's really what it is, and that's what the majority of people want is, I don't like what you're saying. I want to filter what you're saying. I want to take your platform away from you so you can't say what you say because I'm going to filter you because I don't agree. I don't agree you should have a voice. I don't agree you should speak. I don't agree that air should come out of this hole in your mouth that I understand. Just don't listen. Turn it off. Simple as that. It doesn't need to go any further than that. But if you want free speech, you need to understand it's a double-edged sword. We need to understand that there's good and bad that's going to come from free speech, and both of those are good. And that's the, that's the line that we need to walk in life and be comfortable with that and realize that uncomfortable, that uneasy feeling, that is where we're going to get our best opinions. That's where we're going to get our best growth. That's where we're going to grow as people. And that's where we're going to have the best insight on life because we understand there's multiple perspectives and not just our little bubble that we live in. Value that there's other speech out there that you don't want to listen to. Value that there's these voices that seem absurd to you. Value that there's these people who think differently than you. Because we're all here today. Because at one point in time, somebody said something different than somebody else said. Does that make you think? That's why people are here in North America, right? Living in Canada and the United States. We had to go because we weren't allowed to talk. We created free speech because we were stifled.
Now we become those dictators that we fled from. How does that make you feel?